Welcome to Startup Out of the Box with Marco Silva and Vitor Domingos. On this episode, we're going to talk about how democratization and technology empowerment affects organizations. Uh, two things that will kill your ability to focus on your startup, just two. Um, and uh, for the last one, how CEOs are going to spend their time on the second act of a startup just after uh, they get investment. Poor guys. Exactly. So how democratization and technology empowerment affects organizations. So this is a, um, an article uh, from Harvard Business Review. I'm guessing the, you already saw the, this uh, diagram. Um, it's pretty much about um, um, how we're going to provide technology and um, how we're going to deal with the employees mm -hmm. within the company. So uh, the more technology you deliver to your own employees, the more access they'll have to make their own decisions and they feel more empowered on doing their own stuff on the startup. Yeah, but uh, it's also, also about just throwing them technology. Yes, yeah. we have the reason why you use it, but it's, all, uh, but it's more our technology nowadays allows your employees, your team to, to, work, yeah, to yeah. work independently so they don't depend on you or each other and they can make their own decisions based on the data that your, that your company has or how they interact with customers because you have a lot of products and a lot of technologies that allow the employees nowadays just to do it themselves. They don't need to depend on someone else. So, for example... Uh, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago in a big corporation, uh, an employee would need to request a specific type of data from a DBA uh, to access, extract data from an SAP system or a big enterprise system. While nowadays you have stuff like Google Analytics or Google BigQuery yeah. where they can just go there, make some simple clicks and get the data they want for yeah. analytics of their product. So they don't depend anymore on different people and it's more democratized the access to that data. It is. Um, not just data, but also about technology, mm -hmm. right? So we give tools to employees for, for them to make up their own decisions, either to uh, post to production or to compile mm -hmm. something or even to how to build something mm -hmm. because they have access to tools. They have access to uh, the, the internal organization, the, the machine of, of making up decisions mm -hmm. instead of just uh, asking someone they could um, either test it or they can just go um, and see if the, the whole thing is going to work out um, the way they plan. So they have access to these kind of tools. We provide them access for them mm -hmm. to make their uh, the best decision about something. And um, this uh, diagram about the from Harvard Business Review tries to map the four different kind of aspects on uh, how we how how employees feel empowered uh, mm -hmm. and how they have access to make up their own decisions. So we have the kind of the Uber-powered um, mm -hmm. kind of uh, <laughs> employee where um, everything is uh, delivered on the cloud. It's on demand. It uses artificial intelligence. Yeah. It is about extreme personaliz personalization and obviously personal devices yeah. where uh, employees can bring their own device to the company. They can use their own tools. Um, I, I actually like that one. Uh, you never tell um, uh, a construction work to uh, work with a specific hammer. Yeah. They bring their own f hammer from work uh, to, to work. They have exactly. their own knives. They have their own set of knives. So um, I've, I really like this one mm -hmm. of uh, when employees bring their own uh, equipment and their own uh, device mm -hmm. to work. Um, and also, uh, they, they, they also talk about the kind of the type of work that you do with this this kind of empowerment or this kind of technology which is the, the gig uh, technology work more on projects rather than mm -hmm. just work for uh, for a company yeah. right there's a big change in organizations uh, so it's more uh, yeah it's normal in the startup people might be used to this already because 
that's usually kind of the way startups have to work. Uh, but when you transition from a startup to a big organization, sometimes you lose the, some of this flexibility. Yeah. But it's, that was the reason why your organization grew. And so it's important to pay attention to that. Yeah, exactly. And then you have a couple of three more, which is uh, kind of the downgrade of the Uber Empowered, which is uh, kind of the traditional delivery mode when you work on a specific project, mm -hmm. you use company tools. Um, you don't feel empowered to make actually um, those kind of decisions because it's daily, daily routine. It's business as usual for you. Yeah. you, you there's do, a hierarchy. There are management. There's waterfall pro process. Yeah. Exactly. And then, then there's two opposites, right? The first one is um, you still continue to do the same kind of delivery mm -hmm. work that you do at nowadays, but you have access to more kind of project work and more gigs. And the other one is uh, it gets some kind of variations where uh, we use cloud technology also less artificial intelligence to make up your decisions but you um have access to more technology uh but you still work on a more non-flexible kind of work uh more you, traditional one you could say it's almost like the process of digitalization of a company exactly. they start adding these tools but they keep the processes and the culture the same and if and then they realize why the this digitalization process failed well because you just added the tools you didn't change <laughs> the culture didn't change the process, process you didn't yeah. change how people work you didn't empower people so if you just put tools in something but don't empower people it's going to be the same yeah nothing changes um <laughs> right so questions for our audience mm -hmm. today uh we have two right so the first one is so what do you think will change in the future of a workplace exactly so uh, are we going towards kind of as we said bring your own device more um have access to more technology um we can make up your own decisions mm -hmm. because we feel empowered to do so or we actually need that kind of structure and processes and and workflows from the bigger our corporations and the second one is um do you as an employee feel empowered enough at your own startup at your mm -hmm. own company and if you don't feel enough powered um uh, what do you think that should be should be changed in the future yeah why do you feel? Why, why do you think that is? Yeah. So now for our second team, two things that will kill your ability to focus. So this is kind of a recurrent uh, topic in startups, and you see medium blog posts and people complaining on Twitter and writing rants, and then you have people like Gary V. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's all about focus and focus and focus, but then you have all of this flood of information coming at you, uh, you from Slack, from IMs, from Twitter, from Facebook, and you just lose focus of your day and what you thought about, okay, this is what I'm going to work on today, and you get to the end of the day and nothing, nothing happens. happens yeah. So uh, I think this is a recurrent, uh, not rec uh, it's a normal discussion. Uh, yeah. I've, I remember reading about this from stuff written in the 80s, in the 90s, when the email appeared, everyone thought the email is the source of all distractions. Now it's Slack, the source of all distractions. So what can companies do to fight the distractions? So Vitor, on your side, what do you do usually to, to well, fight this? If you think about uh, the kind of emails and the kind of communications that you get from uh, when you work on a company or a startup, uh, I, I, w I usually split those in the kind of uh, when you get in an urgent email. Well, if you get an urgent email, it, then it's because it's not important. And if you get an important email, then it's not urgent. So I usually split the, my emails in those two uh, categories. And um, and, I, and I think that if you gonna if you need to actually focus on something, you need to turn off all of the notifications mm -hmm. that you have. 
um, it's going to be from instant messaging or uh, kind of communication tools that you use or email and stuff like that. You just need to focus or on developing, on building a business plan, on, on doing your own stuff. And you need to be mm-hmm. quiet, probably without the internet. Just focus on that and 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 don't Bless actually. Blasphemy without internet. Uh, because that's <laughs> because that's the best way to do it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you you get uh, you get a lot of notifications. You get annoyed because you at the end of the day not going to do anything else. And because you just mentioned Gary V, I think that the uh, early hours of the morning, when uh, you start doing some work and your employees and the people that work with you, uh, they are not uh, mm-hmm. fully awake. Um, you can you can deliver a lot of work uh, mm-hmm. at that time, and uh, for me, um, that's kind of a habit I I, I I created when I had my own startup. Is that uh, because I had my own startup when uh, my my first uh, uh, daughter was born, mm-hmm. so I did a lot of work after she went to bed uh, around I don't know between ten and one two a.m. So I got this kind of kind of owl experience of you just start working around midnight <laughs> you get really awake and you start doing stuff so i would uh uh because you don't have any any kind of distraction you don't have anyone to uh, nag you about things and you actually can deliver uh those kind of those kind of stuff mm-hmm. but that's just part of the ability to focus because yep. the other half is um the project of overload yep. right you have to, um, a lot of tasks to do. You you need to deliver this on time. You see uh, a lot of people nagging you because you need uh, to deliver them by yesterday. Everyone is busy. Everyone is busy, and either you didn't delegate the things properly, <laughs> as example, or you actually to have too much on your plate to uh, to deliver. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's your experience on on that? How you deal with with that kind of stuff? So on the project overload. Uh, it happens sometimes. Uh, it crawls uh, in the environment of a startup where we start thinking, oh my God, we still have to do this, we have to do this. Uh, but it takes, uh, once in a while, we stop, sit down and sort of realize, okay, what are we working on? Do Okay, we we said that we're going to work on this project, we're working on this new feature, but we decided to we, this would look nice maybe two months ago, but now we know a bit more about the reality, we know about customers, we know that well, there's no point of working on this, so let's just kill this. So we start cleaning our plate and start focusing on different things and what exactly is the priority now in the company. So it's important to to realize that. So talk to your team, realize what everyone is working on, realize, um, okay, maybe we shouldn't be working on that anymore. There's no point on that. That was our old priority. Now the business priority is this. We have we explain why things happen, why things change. We humans, we know that happens. Um we also need to realize what are the tasks that we are doing kind mm-hmm. of recurring that we could optimize them or automate them. Mm-hmm. That's also important to do. Uh, because Yeah, but you also need to have time to think about those activities that yeah. you need to automate, right? Yeah, but that's like we get to a point as a team uh, regularly, like, okay, let's think about this. Yeah. Uh, it might be we usually have regular Friday phone calls where we just discuss the set of the company or the set of what we are working on and we yeah. decide, oh, what about this thing? So yeah. we thought, oh, now, you, now that you mentioned that, you know, we're doing it like this, we're doing it like that. So usually it comes out up in the conversations and we incentivize everyone to, to talk about it. Yeah. And it's important. It's not you as a manager that has to bring it up every time. Uh, at, in the beginning, it will feel like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you have to bring help your team to bring those issues up and make the team uh, think about what how they feel, mm. uh, if they feel overloaded. Because that will then show you as a, as a manager or responsible for a startup, how your company is going. Okay. One of the things that, that happens with Project Overload is when you... So, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own experience of setting up uh, specific tasks, and I know how long that task will take. Right? Mm-hmm. I know roughly that if I'm a, uh, if I need, an, uh, I don't know, let's say if a new feature, it's going to take five days to develop. Right? Do you actually ask your own team about their what they feel that task would take, how much longer that task will take, or do you just set up those ex- expectations for them? Or is it a mix of, I think that's going to take five days. What do you think? It's going to take three, more? It depends. It's usually a discussion uh, because okay. I might have an idea of, okay, this task is going to involve A, B, and C. And then they, while we're talking about it, they might say, no, it also involves X, Y, and Z. And A doesn't involve anymore because we change this. So it's, it has to be a discussion uh, of the process. So even if, oh, and as a developer, you always know that it's a pinch of, like a salt of uh-huh. rain. And the rule is if someone says it's going to take two days, Double it by two. Yeah, that's usually the the, the rule for uh, for us. Uh, for example, uh, there was a guy I used to work with a couple of years ago that usually would say, "Oh, I can do this in fifteen minutes." Yeah, but three days later, I, I think that he said that in a Russian accent. Um, yeah, kind of. I know that kind of story. So we became like the fifteen minute guy because everything <laughs> took fifteen minutes, even one week later. Yeah, <laughs> but that, I think that um, from a project manager yeah. or for a founder. Mm-hmm or CTO, when you look at the task, because you have the kind of the bigger picture, you know how long that's mm-hmm. going to take, but you actually need the input for the, from the person mm-hmm. that, that actually is going to develop that, yeah. uh, that kind of work. So it's going to be their expectation of how long that task will take, plus uh, your experience mm-hmm. and your knowledge and your big picture yeah. of the whole thing to complement all of that. Because if you just do one part of those kind of project management, that's going to fail because you're going to fail expectations, right? Yeah, you have to have a view of the, the entire thing Yeah, because uh, that might depend on more, on more stuff. Usually, you don't want features depending yeah. on something else, but you know that everything works together and you have that big picture. So it's a conversation uh, between everyone in the team. Yeah. So, and for questions for our, our audience today on this topic, it's going to be, again, two. The first one is about the ability to focus, right? So mm-hmm. um, is there anything else that you feel that you need to have to create this kind of ability to focus and uh, and deliver that kind of work or deliver your mm-hmm. own kind of startup? And the second one is um, about project management. Yep. So how do you do project management? You just discussed that, yeah. uh, the kind of it, both experience from the one that the people that actually not going to develop that and from one uh, someone with the bigger picture mm-hmm. so how do you do the, this kind of project management and then how do you deal actually with um, excessive uh, meetings that's one thing that we didn't discuss but excessive gonna, meetings excessive meetings but do we, it's going to be just one full topic on the next episode I need the coffee to discuss that yeah. <laughs> we're going to have like a, a big one <laughs> we're going to have a meeting about meetings <laughs> I know you like meetings so we're going to have a meeting about a meeting, meeting. oh god are we, you, oh, you said that. Oh, I'm having flashbacks all the time <laughs> where we used to have a meeting to prepare ourselves for a meeting that meeting. we were going to have in the next day it's like, oh. exactly uh, so how CEOs are going to spend their time um, on the second act um, the first act is actually up until they get the investment um, uh, either they're going to do bootstrap we already discussed that on they get the investment from uh, from outside and um, on the second act is how they think uh, about their own time because the first mm-hmm. one is really chaotic because you need a lot of uh, need to invest a lot of time to build things afterwards you need to know how to spend your time mm-hmm. and um, and this is again an article from um, Harvard Business Review mm-hmm. uh, very insightful about how, CD, how CEOs spend their time and from this mm-hmm. uh, I that think was- Kind of interesting that the two biggest changes, 
when they interviewed these uh, 20 something, 22 CEOs. Yeah. So the biggest change for them was uh, after they got investment, they started thinking more about succession planning and talent planning. Yeah. So the f- succession planning, I was thinking like you just got investment um, and you're the CEO of the company. So you're already thinking about who's going to take your place. I think this is maybe too soon to think about it, but might be reasons uh, that the article uh, doesn't explain and the chart doesn't show. Uh, but the, the the second and the third one that we're talking that they f- are thinking more about the talent planning. Mm-hmm. So you get investment. Yes, it's one of the most important phases. Okay, I'm going to grow my company now. Who exactly should I hire? Uh, mm-hmm. Because those people will most likely be more senior people, so they will have a huge impact uh, in the oh, next yes. months of the company. So that's yeah. really important. You spend time because well now you have resources for that. Don't. Uh, go too fast take time to really understand who do you need and why do you need them and if they are the right people for it so it makes sense that this is going to spend you're going to spend more time on this yeah and the other one is of course strategic moves so you have investment you have a board of directors now uh, maybe already had but now you have to think more about the strategic plan that how are you going to do what do you told your investors you were going to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have to stop thinking about the product uh, as much. Uh, trust the team, the people you hired, are you going to hire to develop that? Uh, but your focus at this point will be where is this company going and how can I make this company get there? Well, uh, yeah, I think that you're pretty much right. So if you just um, make this, if you, if, you, if you try to draw a picture here, mm-hmm. it's about, so you get you the investment, perfect. Now, what they think is about what's going to be the future? What's going to be the future for the company, and how, probably who's going to be best placed to lead the company in specific mm-hmm. areas? Mm-hmm. So, I take this as the succession planning and uh, talent planning mm-hmm. as that one. As should I do? I have the necessary people within the company to take the company forward. Mm-hmm. Are they strong? They strong enough to take a leadership, or should I find another another one to take okay. their place? And the second one is where the company is going to, right? So it's kind of those two areas where they're going to uh, spend a lot of time. But this this is really interesting because they are, uh, the, this article says that they're going to spend more time on strategic and succession and uh, talent planning, but then they expect to have less, spend less time with board interactions. So they actually, it's kind of fun, right? So they get the money, they get the board of directors, and then they try to find someone to fill their place in the board of directors so that they can focus on figuring out the success for the company. Yeah, you're not going to speak less with the board of directors. You're going to speak more with them. So it's kind of uh, yeah. right. It's kind of hard to understand this. And uh, and you, also, you might know your board of directors better than you know your family at one point, maybe. <laughs> exactly. And and then the the four, fifth one, it's it's about the organizational change. Mm-hmm. So they also say that they're going to they expect to spend less time than the previously than the previous mm-hmm. act on uh, organizational change, which doesn't make any sense. So, because they want to find uh, better talent, they want to think about succession, they want to plan the strategic moves, the next ones, but they also think that because they're gonna hire all of these people, nothing's gonna change in the company. Yeah, usually- The culture you, is gonna be the same. Yeah, usually you know that a cha- company changes when they get to the first 10 people, then it's the 30, then it's the 50, then 100. There's always a massive change. It's always changing. Yeah, every, exactly. every, t- every time you bring a talent or you bring a director to the company, mm-hmm. the company is gonna change. Yes. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, but that's that's life, right? So 
as a CEO, you need to make, you need to make sure that you also going to spend some time making sure that the organization is going to change for good, yeah. not for bad. So the, I, I think that this is kind of a mixed bag of, of uh, answers here. Yeah. Um, because when you look at this organization change and then also uh, the business performance reviews, they're going to expect to spend less time on that. Uh, okay, I get it. So they want someone to do the business reviews for them. I think that this um, how CEOs are going to spend their time in the second act, it's kind of awkward. I don't feel the same as, as these two 22 CEOs, but yeah, that's kind of my experience and feeling. Yeah, it's the same for me. Right. I feel so, something like missing from this picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, so questions uh, for our audience regarding this topic. So the first one is, how do you going to spend your time on this kind of second act? So you get investment. How do you think you're going to spend your time? Oh, well, you got investment. What changed in your schedule? Exactly. How did you spend more time for you? Exactly. And... Um, so the first one is how you spend your time. The second one is um, how actually you as an employee of a, a startup feel that your CEO or CTO is spending their time. Mm-hmm. Is it being helpful? Is it being helpful to you, mm-hmm. to the company? How do you feel about that? And um, that's pretty much it. So that would right. be interesting. Like, How do you feel as an employee when you don't know what your CEO or your CTO is doing? Exactly. That's a good question, right? For our audience. Mm-hmm. That's it. Have a good one, people.